Hey, I want to welcome you guys again to Biblical Insights. Here we're looking at biblical issues, clarifying biblical issues, and also talking about what's going on in the world today and trying to get an idea of what we need to be doing as believers and not just as as believers, but as stewards of God's words. We spoke about it uh, last time. Uh, we're still in the the series, the biblical view of the end times. Uh, so it was right now, I'm talking about. Uh, there's a two part. Uh, in heaven, we've got the bema seat. This is during the tribulation period where the saints, <clears throat> excuse me, where the believers have been uh, raptured, caught up with Jesus, and now we're in heaven with Jesus while the tribulation period, the seven years, is going on here on earth. All the turmoil, the persecutions, and stuff like that. All those things, all these God's wrath is being poured out on, on the earth uh, to non believers and people that pretty much missed the boat uh, on this one. So, these are events that are taking place in heaven while that is happening down on earth. So, we had the Bema Seat, which is the judgment seat of Christ uh, for believers, not punishments, but these are where rewards were given out. Uh, and the second part of this is the marriage uh, in heaven, and it's known as the marriage supper of the Lamb, and this is for believers only. So, little intro, we all know that uh, what a spectacle an event a wedding can be. Thousands of dollars are spent trying to produce the perfect moment in time that'll join a couple together in what they believe is going to be a marital bliss. Typically, the church is decorated to the hilt. Uh, or whatever venue you have, uh, the bride is in her pure white dress, the groom stands nervously at the front of the church. It's a special moment in the lives of those two individuals and for the people who know them and love them. So weddings here on earth are a special thing, and we know that. Uh, everyone who has, has or has a wedding uh, lined up is looking forward and looking for one thing, a marriage made in heaven. Well, I want you to know that while some marriages may have been made in heaven, they still have to be lived here on earth. That in itself makes them a less perfect, less than perfect wedding. So today, uh, we come to an event in heaven that will, like I said, take place while the earth is in the midst of the tribulation period. Uh, it'll happen after the judgment seat of Christ, and it'll involve all of God's children that are there in heaven. This event is commonly referred to as the marriage supper of the Lamb. Okay, It'll be the time of great joy for all the redeemed people of God. You see, for the church, the end time shapes up like this. Okay, It's in the rapture, we are caught up. At the judgment seat of Christ, we are cleaned up. And at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we will be cheered up. Okay, It is in this event that we want to park and sit here for a while, and I want to tell you about the marriage made in heaven. So my desire this morning sharing this message is to help those who are, who are saved understand that there are some 
blessed days ahead for the people of God. I mean, we live in a world right now, and what's going on in our country right now, in local regions or wherever you're at in the country, we're seeing protests, we're seeing riots, and it's all this gloom and doom. That's all we see, this propaganda we're seeing on the news right now. This has nothing to do with one man's death. This is all backed by evil Satan trying to destroy our country. And, and it's happening right now. And we see this. So we, we don't, it's hard to look ahead as believers and see what's at the end of this. And I mean, we're seeing everything, but true, true believers are, are and if they're really, they really know their Bible and they're really in tune with what's going on in the world, they can see this is all biblical. What we're seeing right now is biblical events being revealed right now before our very eyes. Uh, we see in China what's happening right now. Churches are being destroyed and you are, Christianity is banned. Uh, it's it horrible. And you think if you think it won't happen here, it will happen here. It's going to happen here. And we don't have a choice in the matter because we know the end of the book. We know Revelation. So we know these things are going to happen. It's just... What's gonna? Ha- when is it gonna happen? Well, we're starting to see that road being paved right now. We see these events that are happening, like the like the frog getting thrown in a pot of water. If it gets thrown in a pot of hot, scolding water, guess what? It's gonna jump out. Nothing's gonna happen. You throw a frog in lukewarm or cold room temperature water and slowly turn up the heat. Guess what? That frog's gonna boil because it's not gonna know to jump out of the water okay well that's what's happening right now we're the frog in the pot of cold water slowly heat's being turned up so i want to stay here for a couple at least for today uh maybe i might split it up into another message after this we'll see how far we get today but understand that there are blessed days ahead for god's people Okay, I also want those who do not know the Lord and happens to be listening to this, okay, that they need to get ready to meet the Lord. He is coming, and he will take his people to heaven. Okay, we don't have a choice in the matter. That's going to happen, okay, but he will only take his people, okay? The rest will be left to here on earth, left behind to endure the tribulation and face the fires of hell. Okay, so therefore, what I want to do is let's take a trip to heaven and see how med- <clears throat> excuse me, see how marriages are made over there. Okay, so I want to clarify something really fast. When it says when I when I mentioned that the rest will be left here on uh, to endure the tribulation, there will be saints. There will be people that will be saved, and that talks about the tribulation saints. These are the individuals that will be saved during the tribulation. They, they missed it on the rapture that happened prior to the seven years, tribulation starting, the Antichrist coming to the power, and stuff like that. So this is an event. These are people that are becoming, that will become saved during the seven-year tribulation period, okay? Not before. So, and the people that reject during those seven years, okay, well, that's what I was talking about when I mentioned that they face the fires of hell. So, with that, this is, we're going to take a look at, this wedding is preceded, preceded by a celebration. So, this is sort of backwards. Typically, a wedding is followed by the celebration. You have the wedding, and then you have the reception afterwards, drinking, partying, blah, 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 whatever, however 
your wedding was or is going to be but typically the celebration in the reception is afterwards so the time before a wedding is usually filled with tremendous stress and hours and hours and hours of preparation okay while it is a happy time for those involved it is anything but a time of celebration okay in heaven things are a little bit different it seems from this passage and what we're going to look at so if you want you uh, follow along please i'm going to read off a lot of scripture like i always do and you'll have to go back and later i won't read all the scriptures but you have to go back i'll read my main passage that i'm looking at and give a lot of references so if you want you can pause this message and write down all the references and i will speak them you'll be able to find them later uh you'll be able to look them up later on your own and follow along if you want but we're going to be in revelation 19 verses 1 through 9 that is our main thing uh our main passage that we're going to be looking at today so with that being said in heaven things are different it seems that this passage uh that heaven rejoices before and after the wedding i like that personally the cause of all this rejoicing is mentioned in verse 7 so let's take a look at that real fast in verse 7 so revelation 19 verse 7 let us be glad and rejoice and give him excuse me Give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Well, who is him that he's talking about? Well, that's Christ, okay? And who is this wife has been, or has made ready herself, or readied herself? Well, that's the bride of Christ. That's the church. That is us. That is believers that are there in heaven, okay? not people that are going to be saved these are people that that are already saved and they were caught up in the rapture prior to the seven years so that's who he's talking about and it seems that this marriage of the lord jesus christ is the catalyst for heaven's anthems and praises those in heaven lift their voices up in four hallelujahs that fill the heavens with praise okay so let's listen right now and see how heaven praises god so one, the hallelujah of redemption. Okay, so heaven praises the Lord for all he has done for them. The cross, the blood, the empty grave, they are saved, they are in heaven, and they have a reason to shout. Okay, so years ago in Wales, there lived a man by the name of Billy Bray. He was an old-time shouter. Many of the people who heard him shout used to rebuke him for praising the Lord so loudly and so often. Okay, however, they would try to stop him. However, they would try to stop him. Old Billy would respond by saying, I can't help it. God has put so good, has been so good to me. With every step I take, I remember his hallelujah. Okay, he said, I put my right foot down and it says hallelujah. I put my left foot down, and it says amen. With that, Billy Bray would march off shouting hallelujah and amen with every step he took. Billy Bray knew that God deserved praise for the excuse me for the salvation he was freely, or he so freely gives. So God gives us this this salvation, and we're supposed to praise Him for that every step of the way. If we don't, we missed a boat. We, we missed that mark. We're, we're missing the big picture here that we didn't do anything to be saved. We are saved solely based on what Christ did. That is it. 
All we did is accept that gift. That's the only work, if you want to say work, that's the only action What we really did is we accepted that free gift. Christ did everything. He did everything on the cross, shed his blood, rose from the dead. He did absolutely everything. We don't do nothing to deserve salvation. So, so the second hallelujah is the hallelujah of retribution. <coughs> excuse me, retribution. The residents of heaven praise the Lord for executing his judgment upon the lost. Okay, sinful and rebellious world. Okay, they know that his judgments are fair. They are right and they are perfect. Therefore, they praise his name. Okay, we are, we're lucky that we're not in that boat. Uh, because we can read all the different trials and tribulations and the judgments that are poured out during those seven years, and it's horrendous on what happens. So definitely don't want to be take part in that. Lest we forget we are serving a God who has already won the war with evil. Thank God the Lord. As a result, his people come out on top of this. Okay, That is enough to shout, that is enough to shout hallelujah right there. So the third hallelujah is the hallelujah of realization. If you take the time to look at the book of Revelations, these 24 elders who are mentioned show up, and this is verses 4 and 5. So let's take a look at it, verses 4 and 5 in Revelation 19. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you, his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. So, who were these elders who are mentioned show up six different times. And we see in Revelation uh, 4.10, Revelation 5.8, Revelation 5.14, Revelation 7.11, uh, Revelation 11.16 and Revelation 19 verse 4. And every time they do, they are doing the same thing, falling on their face and worshiping the Lord. Just to let you in on a little secret, those 24 elders represents, represent the redeemed of God. Okay, If you are saved, they picture you. Well, why are they praising the Lord so much? Because the heaven... Because in heaven, they are finally free from the limitations of the flesh, and they can see God like he really is. There are no longer afraid or ashamed to worship him. But now, they are ready, willing, and able to fall down before the Lamb of God and shout his praises. Okay, if, if it ever dawned on us the reality of all God is, all he has done for us, and of all that is ours as his children, there isn't a saved person in the world who wouldn't shout himself hoarse. One day we will, but we're not going to get hoarse about it. So the next hallelujah is the hallelujah of regulation. Then they praise the Lord for his reign. They glorify the Lord that at last he is honored, exalted, and worshipped by all his creation. 
thank God there is coming a day when the Lord will have the glory and honor he deserves all the time. I look forward to being in, the na- being in that number when we stand around that throne and lift our hallelujahs to the Lord the gl- and, and to glory that which is God's. So I want to take a, take a look and, and look in verse 4 again. There are two heavenly words mentioned here that, that you and I need to look at for just a moment. They are amen and hallelujah. Okay, so right there in verse 4, And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who sat on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. The word amen is a word signifying agreement with an approval of the word of God. When amen appears at the beginning of the sentence, it means truly. This word was used by Jesus so many, uh, on so many occasions. When it is spoken concerning the words uttered by another, it means I agree or so be it. Amen is said to be the most known word in the world. Okay. The word hallelujah is a Hebrew word meaning praise the Lord. It is used only one time in the New Testament, and it was to give honor and glory to the Lamb. It is heaven's praise word. I just want to say that if, if, if you and I intend to be in tune with heaven, then we need to learn to use a little heavenly language. Therefore, learn to say amen and hallelujah. It is all right to praise the Lord. It is. I mean, we need, we're so scared right now that we can't talk about it. We, we're so terrified to be open of, being, of praising God that we're, uh, we're afraid of being ridiculed. I mean, we have such an anti-God, an anti-Christ uh, media out there. You got people that can wear Black Lives Matter and you can wear these, these propaganda things on their shirts and nothing kill cops or whatever. You can write all this and say all this all you want. But when you drop Jesus' name... I mean, you're like, oh, we can't say that here. No, no, no. But you can say whatever you want about, oh, killing cops or, or whatever. It's a, it's a huge double standard. But we see this. We're so ashamed. We get to a point where we're so ashamed. And it, we, I watched this one guy. It was NFL. I don't, like, I don't watch the football because I think they cave to the political, political correctness of the whole situation. But a guy was in crutches. He had a shirt. I forgot what it said. Something about praising God or kingdom or, or it was it was a religious shirt. And and the reporters made him turn it inside out. Dude was on crutches. And he turned his, inch, his shirt inside out just to do this interview. Is that ridiculous? Tim Tebow pretty much got fired for praising God. But you got some, some guy kneeling down and during the, Ameri- the national anthem, and he's like, ooh, lifted up, and oh, he's so oppressed. Yeah, with white parents and lived in a luxury home and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, he was so oppressed. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, but my point is, is we've, we've cowered to political correctness that we're afraid to be open 
and admit we're considered some Jesus freak. Well, you know what? If that's what they want to label me, go be it. I am fine with that. Label me a, a Jesus freak. I don't care. My brother even called me a Jesus freak. He used some explicit language before and after it, but that's what he called me. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I realize that we live in a day when people frown on old-time worship. Okay, I mean, it's all right for people to sing the Hallelujah Chorus, but if they shout, they are considered nuts and fanatics. I just want you to know that old-fashioned praising and glorifying God never goes out of style. So this wedding we're talking about is preceded by a celebration. This wedding is perfected by a consummation. This marriage made in heaven will be the, the consummation of some very important and powerful events. A plan will be consummated. And this is in verse 7. So let us be glad. This is Revelation 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. So, notice the words is come. These words imply a sense of relief that a long-anticipated event has finally arrived. Nothing could be more true. Okay, at this moment, God's plan for the ages is finally complete. Since man sinned in the Garden of Eden, God has been working to bring man back into fellowship with him. This was accomplished when Jesus died on the cross for the sins of humanity. Not for the few elect, but for humanity, meaning all humans. Now, all those who place their faith in Jesus are saved by the grace of God and brought near unto him. While many may be saved, they are still not in the very presence of God in heaven. On this day, talking about the, the wedding of the Lamb, on this day, that will change. This is the moment when Jesus gets to receive his bride unto himself. This will be the most special moment in the history of creation. It will be the moment when the Lamb of God takes his bride unto himself. By the way, did you notice that at this wedding, the groom and not the bride is the center of attention? Down here, everything is on hold until they start playing the, the wedding march, and the bride, the center of attention, makes her way down the aisle. In heaven, things are just a little bit different. It's not the bride but it's the groom, the Lord Jesus, who is the center of attention. If that happened here, there would be some very angry women. Okay. However, over there, it won't be a matter in the least. In fact, it will be the bride herself who gives him the most attention. So, verses 7 and 8, okay, and verse 8 in, in Revelation 19, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So, in verse 8, a presentation will be consummated. Okay, it helps us to understand a little of the background uh, for weddings of this type. In oriental weddings, there are typically 
three stages. There was the betrothal stage, the presentation stage, and the celebration stage. So the betrothal stage, betrothal stage, this is something like what we know in the West as an engagement period. However, the major difference lies in the fact that this was a binding agreement. When a couple was betrothed, they were considered married. There was no getting out of it except through a divorce or death. Even though the couples did not dwell together or share the marriage bed, they were nonetheless married. Another difference was that marriage partners and the marriages themselves were usually arranged by the parents of the bride and groom. You didn't even get to pick your your mate, your bride, or your soon-to-be bride, or your soon-to-be husband, groom. Love was not usually the basis for marriages. You didn't marry for love. You loved who you married. Many can learn a lesson from that today. I can see a great danger in that. The bride of Christ is in the midst of this betrothal period right now. Okay? We have been picked by the Heavenly Father, and we are married to Jesus right now. We are just waiting to go to him in heaven. So then you have the second, the presentation stage. When the times of the wedding arrived, the father of the groom would send the bridegroom and his friends to the bride's home. They would get her and bring her back to the groom's house, which he had prepared for her with great celebration and joy. There, gifts would be exchanged, the marriage would be consummated, and the couple would begin their lives together. This is what we're waiting on this morning. We are married. We are just waiting on the bridegroom to come and call his bride to come meet him. Friend, that day is coming. Are you ready to meet him when he comes? Okay, and then third, the festival stage. Following the wedding, the couple, their friends, and their families would enter a time of celebration. I will say more about that in a few moments, but I want to look at what Jesus, and this is kind of, uh, it's important, Jesus followed this, these three stages, and well, he is, he is following these three stages, he's done everything, Jew, Jesus, first century Jewish culture, he's done everything, picked the bride, what did he do, he went back already, okay, so now we're waiting, we're waiting on that presentation stage, Okay, he's already went back, prepared a home, and or is preparing a home, I should say. So he's just waiting for the father to say, the time is right. Okay, go get your bride. And when he does, he's going to grab us, take us back where? Just like this presentation stayed. He's going to send his bridegroom and his friends. These are saints that have already been, already died, uh, We'll be caught up in the air with him, and then we who are alive will meet him in the air and be with him forever. And they will, they would, that, so that's what's going to happen, and then be taken back to the groom's house. So I don't see how you can have a post trib uh, stance on this gathering of the saints, this rapture at the end, because we will never see heaven. And it goes against what Jesus is following. Because he comes to grab us and take us back to where he is presently, right now. 
So with that being said, we'll move on. Okay, so with that, now we're going to look at a presentation will be consummated. Notice that the text says, his wife, and we're talking about in verse 8, his wife hath made herself ready. Typically, oriental brides prepared their own wedding garments. It would it could be so as elaborate or as simple as they choose to make it. Usually, it consisted of two pieces. One, an inner garment called a tunic, and two, the outer garment, excuse me, the outer garment called a toga. It was the bride's responsibility to get herself ready for the wedding. You and I need to understand that we are to prepare ourselves for that day because that day is coming. You see, in verse 8 says that the bride of Christ will be clothed in white linen and that this linen and that this linen is the righteousness of the saints. I take that to imply that how simply him simply or how elaborately we are dressed may depend on the kind of life we lived while we're here on earth. So let me illustrate. There are three kinds of righteousness that a person can have. One, personal righteousness. This is the righteousness that can produce all by yourself. It is basically evil and no good at all. And, and, and nothing good can come from it. And that's Isaiah 64, verse 6. Okay? In our own righteousness, we are literally dressed in rags before the Lord. Excuse me. Two, provided righteousness. This is the righteousness we are given when we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Romans 3.21 and 22. This refers to that tunic or, or inner garment. We have been provided with a spotless inner garment of righteousness. And then third, a practical righteousness. This is the righteousness we live out each day we are here on earth. It refers to how we conduct our lives, how well we submit to authority, and how we use the opportunities, gifts, and responsibilities and privileges we are given as children of God. This speaks of the outer garment or the toga that the world sees. It is pure speculation, but how well we are dressed at the wedding may depend on how we live here. It may be that the wedding garments will be handed out at the judgment seat of Christ. I don't know, Matthew 21, verses 1 through 12. And that they will reflect how we lived here below. It is something to, to think about, at least. Not set in stone. It's just something to think about. So whatever the, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever the scenario that is played out here, the fact remains that the bride has made the proper preparations and she is ready for the wedding. This means that the faith she places in Jesus was not misplaced. Okay? It means that her trials and struggles are behind her. It means that she, the bride, has trusted the Lord to save her and he has. Okay, remember, these are talking about the saints. We are believers. Nobody else is strictly believers, Christians that are in heaven. Okay, she is home, she is loved, and she is ready to enter into the joy of the Lord. 
what day, what a day that will be. So we've looked at one, this wedding is preceded by a present or celebration. This wedding is perfected by a consummation. And now we're going to look at verses. uh, This wedding is punctuated by a continuation. Okay, so this is verses 9, so 19 verse 9, and it'll go through uh, 20 verse 3. This wedding doesn't end with a couple being together to live, but this wedding will continue with a celebration like nothing this universe has ever seen. So let me, let me just mention a few, a few thoughts on that. Okay, the guests at the wedding supper. There will be guests that <clears throat> at this wed- heavenly wedding. Who? Well, it'll be the Old Testament saints and the tribulation saints. It will be a group, <coughs> excuse me, It'll be a group made up of all Jews, Gentiles, who were saved before Pentecost and after the rapture. That will be quite an assembly. Okay, the glory, <clears throat> the glory of the wedding supper. After an oriental wedding, there was always a celebration. The length and how opulent it was and how spectacular it was all depended on the wealth of the bridegroom when rich men married their wedding celebrations might last up to like seven days okay the lord jesus is going to present his bride with a celebration that lasts oh i don't know a thousand years after the wedding we'll return with him to this earth he will put down his enemies and establish his throne on this earth. Then he and his bride will reign together during the millennial or for a thousand years or the millennium. Okay, many of you can remember the 1981 wedding of Charles, the Prince of Wales and Lady Diana Spencer. It was a spectacle of enormous cost and billions of people watched the royal wedding. However, that wedding was doomed. Later, the world got to watch the same wedding collapse as publicly as it had begun. I'm trying to tell you about a real royal wedding, one that will be attended by more people than any other in history, one that will be more extravagant than any in history, one that will produce a marriage that will last longer than any in history, and it will be a royal wedding. Next, the groom at the wedding supper. In a typical oriental wedding, the groom would mingle with the guests to be sure that everyone had every, of, every one of their needs met. Imagine what it will be to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus and him and have him be occupied with seeing that our joy is full. Jesus will actually serve his people, excuse me, serve his people in that day. Luke 12, 37. That is almost beyond the grasp of, of our minds. We, it's hard to grasp that. Okay. So I, w- I want to wrap this up. Okay, I can imagine the society page in the New Jerusalem Times the next day. It might read something like this. Yesterday, 
the Lamb of God took his bride unto himself in a service presided over the hev- over by the Heavenly Father. The bride was dressed in garments of glorious white, and she spotless and without blemish. The groom was clothed in glory as it is his custom. The angelic hosts lifted up their voices together and praised the name of the Most High God, while the cherubim and seraphim hovered overhead, crying, Holy, Holy, Holy. After the service, the couple left heaven to return to earth for a thousand-year honeymoon. When they returned, they planned to spend eternity together in the places of heaven. My friends, are you are you ready for that wedding in the sky? There will be a marriage made in heaven someday. But only the redeemed are invited. Does that include you? If not, it can. Please come to Jesus and be saved today. For those who are going, consider for a moment how you are preparing for that day. What kind of garments will you be wearing when you stand there at the royal wedding? The time to prepare is today. The place to prepare is here. The person to prepare is yourself. Will you come and let the Lord work in your heart and in your life? We see craziness going on in the world right now. It's not that far away, I believe. Not predicting, not prophesying, nothing like that. But what we see in the world today and how chaotic it is, how crazy our world has has come, I can't imagine that we're that far away from the return of Christ to come get his people and take us to himself. I can't imagine we're that far away with all the evil and chaos that's being spread and the hatred towards the Christian people. So, I think it's time that we... uh, prepare ourselves and and seek after him so if you're not ready and you're not prepared now is the time now is the time to get prepared I thank you and God bless